everybody, and welcome to the State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Alongside me for this episode is Matt Santangelo. Pepperisha can't uh, be with us for this episode, but he should be back on very soon with us. But anyways, Matt, how's it going? Same old, doing pretty well. We're uh, a lot of good momentum here with the podcast. Of course, episode 43, we've had the Football Content Awards revealed this past week. Thank you guys for everyone who's voted for us so far. If there's any other information that you need on that, if you haven't done so already, check my pinned. Uh, we've been share- sharing it on our Instagram account, which you can follow there at, at State of Play Pod, the same as our Twitter handle. But uh, yeah, very excited about that. We have a lot of other things that we're working on behind the scenes that we are um, hoping to share with you very soon. But we're getting football back this week, of course, with La Liga. And then the week to follow is going to be the Premier League, Serie A. So football is coming back into our lives, guys. That void that's been there is going to be filled. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I agree. It was nice to have Bundesliga for a while, but it kind of got dull for a little bit. It's really just a Champions League race. And if you're into relegation races, which I'm really not into whatsoever, um, I just – I like it, it gets interesting. I, I gamble, obviously. That's the other yeah. show I do. So. Um, it's fun to keep your interest in that way because otherwise it's not um, really favorable if you're just sitting around watching, you know, Frankfurt versus Freiburg uh, to an extent. It was good to see Andre Silva score, so that brings up uh, potential value for him to be resold for Milan. But obviously big news coming out of Bundesliga and obviously with the Premier League. We touched on it last episode. We had Maxi Angelo discuss it when he was on with us. Timo Werner is not going to Liverpool. And this is pretty surprising um, by all accounts, uh, to be honest. It seemed like it was such a lock for them for the longest time. It was a match made in heaven if Timo was going to leave uh, Bundesliga. It was going to be uh, at Liverpool for Jurgen Klopp. Um, turns out he's not. He's going to Chelsea, 50 million pound, the release clause. There's a verbal agreement with it. Fab Romano is the most reliable guy you can go by at this point, in my opinion. Has this news. I think this is such a coup for Chelsea. I mean, they clearly have a goal-scoring void in a way um on the team tammy abraham did a really nice job mm-hmm. i thought with with all the pressure and everything considered with that situation over in chelsea i think we've given plenty of praise to chelsea in general and frank lampard on how they handled this situation transitioning from hazard and the transfer ban to where they are now in this champions league race as of today in fourth place behind leicester so i mean look timo werner is one of the best young goal scorers that they could have gotten on the market uh, that was available at this time um we all know how great he's been for leipzig um i i, I really can't wait for him to uh show up for chelsea and see how he does there um Look, there's going to be a lot more pressure on him. I thought it would have been a little bit easier for him to fit into Liverpool squad, but but now I think he really fits into this younger squad uh, with Chelsea a lot better, and I could definitely see this fit working out well. What, what were your initial thoughts? Were you stunned? Were, what do you think of the fit, too? Well, I think uh, certainly I was definitely stunned. You know, we talked about it previously. We've been kind of you know, following the build up to his potential transfer or the, the the transfer that we thought would be a formality, right? That being going to Liverpool. And of course, you know, all of a sudden it seems as though they were kind of reluctant, right? And, you know, you kind of see this sometimes where, you know, for the longest time, everyone's like, oh, he's going to go there. It's only a matter of time. You know, there's all these rumors, these all these look, sources that say like it's fine. They're about to be finalized with this deal, the paperwork, yada, yada, yada. And there always seemed to be that sort of like little gap there for someone to maybe jump in and say, hey, we'll convince you on this project. And sure enough, I think that's exactly what happened with Chelsea. I read something um, the past couple of days 
that said before the whole pandemic hit that Lampard and Peter Cech went to visit his entourage. They kind of spoke with him. They kind of convinced him on the project. So this wasn't something that kind of jumped out of nowhere the past you know two days and someone just swooped in and said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll pay your clause. We'll, get, we'll, get, you know, we'll give you the money, yada, yada, yada. This was something that was kind of been in the works for it seems like a couple months now, but maybe it was more so behind closed doors. They jump in, they pay a 50 million pound release clause, which again, that is fantastic value for a player who's very, very young, who's already accomplished quite a bit in terms of goal scoring. You get a player who can play as a striker. He can play as a left winger. You get an attacking piece that can be very interchangeable and that you can do a lot with, and it makes Frank Lampard's attack look very versatile and very diverse. A Pulisic, um, obviously Mason Mount, regardless of whether or not he plays in the midfield as more of an attacking midfielder or as more of a winger, Tammy Abraham. So they're starting to kind of really kind of round out their squad. And you get a guy like Timo Werner, who again, has accomplished quite a bit, was very sought after. $450 million on this in this market for a player that productive, that young, I would anticipate a player of his value, of his caliber, going for upwards of 65, 70. When you consider the guys like Luka Jovic went for, and you know even guys like you know Piontek who went for thirty five. The beauty of the release clause, and that's and that's it, and that's just it. So for me, it was one of those things where I understood maybe why Liverpool. Um, you know, they try to kind of, maybe because they didn't feel like they had as much competition for him. If you feel like you don't have much competition for him, maybe you say, hey, we're negotiating with ourselves. Let's see if we can kind of get this thing down below 50. And they've been spending. They're a team that has been winning. No one's saying that, and they've been doing really well. But they have spent on guys like Fabinho, Nabi Keita. Um, you know, they do have players that are trying to move, you know, Shakiri being one of them. So maybe it was one of those things where they couldn't maybe quite, you'll cough up the 50 million to get him without having to maybe sacrifice another key player elsewhere. So it's hard to really say what went into the minds of Liverpool as they were kind of trying to get this deal over the line. But the way I observe it is it's a slam dunk move for Chelsea. I think he's a player that's so versatile. He's going to really help Chelsea and elevate that project. So I think Chelsea fans should really be happy with this move. And of course, some of the other rumors and, and players that they've been linked to from Fabrizio Romano, the very reliable Fabrizio Romano, uh, Ben Chilwell, left back. They're, as an alternative, they're looking at Taglifico, who plays for Ajax. So it, it seems as though that Chelsea, and I know Alex Goldberg, our previous guest, alluded to this and he touched on it quite well when he was last on, that you know they took the, they took the transfer ban on the chin. They said, hey, you're not going to appeal this. We're going to take it. This way, we present, we present a little bit more of, uh, of an opportunity to go full steam ahead in the summer. And that's exactly what it looks like they're doing. I mean, if they're able to get a guy like Chilwell coming from Leicester City for what seems like a big fee here, you know, Timo Werner, and then maybe add another player. They already got Ziyech. And now you're starting to really see this Chelsea team come to life in this project. And Lampard's got to be licking his chops and saying, if I can get the Champions League with this team, I maybe have something. I maybe can be the team that does threaten Liverpool and maybe overthrow City for the title race next year. So this is definitely a, 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 a big, big move for the Premier League. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think the even better part is they fit the young profile that Chelsea right. already had, mm-hmm. but they're more experienced than some of the other players that they signed. Right. Liet got so deep into the Champions League. I mean, even Chilwell, uh, just a guy who's done so well in the Premier League at Leicester City, where he exceeded expectation, really fit into that Chelsea project. And now Timo Werner as well. I mean, look, RB Leipzig, man, that's a, it's a very legit project. and Talent factory. Yeah, and it's not the first that we'll see from there. Really quick, because I just thought of it off the top of my head. Better 
deal for a striker for 50 million to 60 million euros, Maori Cardi or Timo Werner, who would you take? That's a tough one because they're not like for like comparables in terms mm-hmm. of what they could do up front. Um, obviously, Maori Cardi with what he was accomplishing with Inter, he was uh, a multiple Capo Canary winner. I think he won it one year by himself and then he shared duties with Luca Toni. Uh, I think it was 22, 23 goals, something like that. So he's been really proven uh, as a, an, an elite goal scorer for you know six, seven years now. Um, or maybe maybe four, maybe four to five years, maybe I'm embellishing a bit. But for a handful of years to have that kind of consistent productivity up front um, in this striker market is very important. But he's a different striker. He's someone who does rely quite a bit on service. You know, a couple of years ago, he scored, I think, three or four goals in a game against Samp on 14 touches. So he's not, he's not the type of guy that's going to, you know, you know, pick up the ball from midfield, you know, blaze by one guy, dribble past another and score a really good goal. Timo Werner does have something like that in his bag. And I think he fits the more modern mold of what you want from that position. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, Mari Cardi isn't a great fit for PSG and a great, you know, that it isn't great value. You know, he has the great supporting cast around him, but Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe. So it, it, it's it more of a system thing. But I think if you're looking at, you know, the value for the money, I think you're getting a guy like Timo Werner, which in this market, the way teams are spending on, you know, young players of, of that caliber who can score goals like he can and also get assists, mind you. He's a player who can do quite a bit um, besides, aside from scoring goals. You would assume that he would just be going for more money because that's what the going rate is. But he's more than just a goal scorer. He can provide. He's a good passer. He's a good dribbler. He's good on the ball and, you know, in the buildup. He does so many things that are going to help Chelsea. And when you look at the figures, I think it's one of those things where um, it probably fits – Chelsea a little bit better, or this is probably a little bit better bang for their buck versus what UPC got a Cardi for, um, in the sense that he's just a more flexible option and you don't really have to worry about the possible headache um, with Mari Cardi. I think Mari Cardi down the road, there is a risk. And I think there's something attached to that deal that if he's sold within 12 months to an Italian team, they got a fork over, they got Inter will get another 15 million. So with a Cardi, he's a wild card. You know, he's a player that, you know, when he's motivated, when he's up for it, he can score goals and he's did in the Champions League too. But he's got his, he's got his wife, Wanda, who's his mouthpiece, speaks for him as his agent. And that's always something that has to play in the back of your mind is that if things go south, will he want to leave and you know, cause a huge, you know, uh, bust up. So I think Werner for the, for the money is definitely the better deal. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree there. I think they're both coops uh, in this market for sure. But we're going to go over to – Inter, Icardi's former team, making the biggest news so far the transfer season in Italy. It'll probably be the biggest move in Italy this summer. I mean, it was going to be the most talked about story. Even since last summer, we were discussing it. We thought, would there be a move in January? A team might want to jump on it early. Sandro Tonali apparently going to Inter uh, from Fab Romano now. Look, First, I'll start off by saying this is this is inter. This is another step in their project that makes them so legit, so serious. I understand where people are coming from. They're a little skeptical of the situation, uh, considering the backlog and and that midfield there. Who knows might who might get sold? Will Sensi might get resell uh, sell somewhere else potentially because he has some injury issues. Who knows if they do just like keep him? They need to figure out Ericsson's situation. But at the end of the day. Inter beat out Juve for the biggest talent in Italy at the moment, and that speaks volumes about their project, uh, what Antonio Conte envisions going on there. And simply, let's face it now, Inter have the best uh, young collection of midfield talent in Italy, and it's not particularly close. 
Yeah, Inter are building. They're building quite a bit, quite a good squad here, right? I think you know it's it's uh, it's been a it's a far cry from what we saw a couple of years ago when they had you know uh, you know these guys like Yuko Nag- Yuto Nagatomo at def- in defense. They had your know, Ranocchia starting games wearing the captain's armband. Like this is a team like back to front. They can beat you. They're they have one of the best keep one of the best keepers and one of the most underrated keepers in the world. Um, and and Handanovic, who's been sensational. You have a really good pillars with uh, Stefan Devraj and Milan Skriniar and Bastoni, who's coming along quite well. Also, uh, Godin, I think will probably probably go somewhere else. But you know, I think the one maybe area in their squad that is lacking is probably in those wing back roles. Um, Kondreva has done a pretty decent job under Conte. Conte's been able to kind of give him a new lease on life. And that's just kind of what Conte does with players, right? He did it with Victor Moses um, and Marco Solonzo at I mean, Chelsea. He almost it, beat Germany with Adair. That's true. Pelle, with Giaccarini, Adair, and Pele. So, yeah, he's, he's got that ability to do that, right? But when you look at the midfield, Barella, Sensi, you know, the option on them, I think they'll probably still pick that up because generally speaking, that's, that's still pretty good value. I think it's like 21, 22 million, give or take. Um, even if he doesn't play all the games, he's still a nice young midfielder and who plays for the Italian national team. Like he's a national team player. Like he was going to make the Euro squad. Um, Brozovic has been sensational this year. He's been probably, in my opinion, um, their best midfielder in terms of importance at the base of midfield. So. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Vicino, it's probably going to be so Old, but you look at all the names that are starting to build there. If you're looking at Barella, Sensi, Brozovic, and Tonali, like that's a really balanced midfield. And then up front, if they're able to keep Lautaro and Lukaku, I mean, they got people here. They got a lot of talent here. They got talent coming along. And I don't think they're done. I think they're even discussing possibly going after Kumbulo from um, Elos Verona, who's been uh, a revelation himself for you know one of the more uh, surprised teams this year. Elas Verona, of course, by, uh, led by Ivan Juric, the fourth best defensive team in the league statistically. Yeah. He's 19 years old. He's 19 years old. He's uh, you know, an, an Albanian international. So he's coming into this team and he's coming on strong and already able to earn a move to a big club like Inter if they can get the deal over the line. Inter are, are heading in the right direction. Inter fans should be very happy. Uh, they've been, like Milan fans, have been through some really difficult years of, of the past uh, with you know, Frank the board, you know, the money spent on Ciao Mario and uh, Gabi Gol. So to see them buying you know, quality players, players that really fit Conte and what he's trying to build with that team, tip of the cap to them. I mean, I know I'm a Milan fan and they're, they're my rival, but at the same time, I think you've got to give them credit because they're really giving um, Juventus a run for their money with some of these top talents. And they're really trying to be that team who does overthrow them for the title. Yeah. And even if it's not going to be happening this year, cause I don't, I don't think it will, but again, there are 12 games left Antonio yeah. Conte team getting that rest that they didn't necessarily get. Uh, Conte is a great motivator. Least- He's exactly. a great motivator. That's that's a massive thing. In, in, Twelve in, games in, is a lot. That man. is. It's not, it's not like it's a, a couple slip bit ups. Amount. It's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. what the fitness levels are of certain players, right? You know, Chiellini. I know he, some of these players are coming back, but they are older, and it's tough after three months off. No, Demiral as well, right? It's tough after three months off to like you know switch on and switch you know switch off and then switch on and then switch on again. Like it's it's a very difficult thing to do. And if if there's one manager in Serie A that I believe can do that um, and get Inter to play something close to what they were before the stoppage. I think Conte is that type of guy. So it's going to be really fascinating to see the rest of the way. But as far as transfers go, yeah, I think Inter are ahead for Tonali and Kumbula. Uh, Juventus, you never say never, right? We all thought that Werner was going to Liverpool. So there's always some sort of glimmer of hope for maybe Juventus to overthrow them and jump in at the last second and win those deals. But as of, as of right now, it looks as though Inter are going to be making some, some big additions to their, their roster. 
Yeah, and that and that's pretty much just the money that they got from Mauri Icardi. So potentially right. a Lautaro Martinez sale could open up things even more for them. Yeah, and I said last episode too, I think wingbacks is definitely the position to watch next for Inter just because the forward position is up in the air. I just want to say uh, one more thing on Verona as well. I mean, Kambula isn't the only defender. Ramani, who Napoli bought, they sent yeah. him back on loan there too. I mean, this isn't a a fluke with Verona. So kudos to them. I think they deserve some credit here and cashing in on uh, some of this talent, but let's talk about Juve, man, because Juve, they've been running things for a decade. They continue to do so. And look, listen, it wasn't that long ago that they just beat out Inter for Kulusevski, right? And, and, and they're in position now still, that they could still win the Champions League if it returns. They're still the favorites to win the title and they got a chance to probably eliminate Milan uh, this coming Friday on the Champions uh, for the Coppa Italia semifinal. Excuse me, no Milan in Champions League there. Um, but <laughs> but look, where did Juve turn out? Because it's obvious they need to do something with the midfield. It doesn't seem that Pjanic being sold is an option right now, considering everything. They got to bring in guys here. Where do you think they turn to? Do they turn to a smaller, savvier kind of buy? Do they change around the positions? Do they break the bank, try and go for Pogba potentially? And I don't even know if Pogba's even an option. I thought if Juve is going to do something, they've got to go for Pogba. But look, I think Juve is in a very difficult position here. Not so much difficult. I think it's a very important transfer season that anything they do now could have ripple effects for years to come. And I think it could be potentially a, a changing of the guard in the league potentially. With Juventus, it's a fascinating situation, right? Because I think you know, they've had a monopoly in the league for such a long time, right? And, you know, they've always been the favorite to win the league every year. And they're, of course, right now, as we're talking about this in first place, you know, this looked to maybe be the year for Lazio or Inter. And I'm not saying it can't be because, again, there's still 12, there's still 12 games left. But at the same time, you look at Inter, I mean, excuse me, look at Juventus's uh, wage bill and you wonder all right, yes, they're a team that doesn't – at this point, you don't have to convince many players of their project. Yeah, you get to play with Ronaldo. You get to play with Chiellini. You get to play with Benucci. You have some really good attacking players. You have this, this, this. We have a winning tradition. We're a t- favorite to win the league every year. We're one of the favorites to win the Champions League. Okay, fine. But it's can you lodge those – can you table those massive offers for players who are in demand and have you – know, you're competing with another team for? And we talked about it you know, off the top and you're really off the air is that – Typically, when they have been linked with someone, they're getting their player. They haven't been really beaten to many players of late, right? Uh, you know, again, maybe you, we can go on all day about, you know, where they were beat to this guy, but more or less, they seem to get their guy when they want their guy. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Tonali, when you're looking at Kumbula, you know, so now they're facing some really big competition. Now, when you have those teams like Inter, who have the history of being a team that's a really, really uh, successful team in Italy who has won a treble Champions League. They have so they have all these things to really offer a player, but they also have that really that, that great flexibility to get those sorts of uh, offers th- to convince the player on the wages side of things, plus all the transfer fee. Whereas with Juventus, they have to be a little bit more calculated with what they offer because they're sitting on a lot of heavy wages, a lot of useless wages. You know, Sami Kadira, um, not maybe useless the wrong word because in in certain cases maybe these players do a value to Maurizio Sarri who whoever is the manager uh, going forward but when you look at the players they have to move like Rabiot they could maybe generate some money there but it's it takes some a lot of player and they, movement those to, wages to are free. ridiculous right they're they're over, they overpaid to get a lot of these players in terms of the wage size now I will say this though they do a pretty decent job or they have been doing a pretty decent job 
with um, some of their free transfers and then selling them. They did it with Kingsley Coleman from PSG. They sold him to Bayern for a pretty good fee. Now they did it with um, Emery Chan to Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund already picked up that option to buy him. Two free transfers that they sold for profit, for, for, for money. Yes, they paid the wages. So my point I'm trying to make here is I think Juventus really have to gut some of the fat here. And it comes in the midfield. And this has been a lingering problem, an issue that many Juventus fans have been hoping and begging for them to, to rectify and solve for many years since the days of Vidal, Pogba, Pirlo, and Marquisio in the Champions League final in 2014-2015. They don't have the caliber of players in the midfield like Inter does. You know, and they don't have you know, that, that, that needle-moving player, maybe even to, like, a, like a Milinkovic-Savic or a Pogba, someone like that to like really elevate that midfield. Yeah, you know, maybe Rodrigo Bentecourt could be that, but to give the keys to the midfield to a kid, to a kid, you know, uh, in a, an important project like Juventus, we'll have to wait and see how that shapes up. He's done pretty well this year, but they need a couple players in that midfield. That's got to be the big focus. Yet all I keep seeing from them, um, you know, aside from Tonali, is okay. They're they're talking about maybe Chiesa. They're maybe talking about Zaniolo. They're talking like it's always seems to me that like they can't really find. And, and get that midfielder that they need. So they go for like these other alternative positions. Hey, we got another attacker. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't possibly have this midfield unit again next year or something comparable to this next year. They need two premium midfielders this summer. Like if they don't do anything else but get two quality midfielders, like two like, again, premium midfielders, like of a Tonali type or, um, you know, and uh, I, I, the guy... I think Jorginho might be in play again. Jorginho's a possibility. He's, he fits Maurizio sorry. So that's that's an option. And I do like Jorginho. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, they their, their window's really closing quickly here. And for a team that's been, you know, you know hitting everything and firing on, on all cylinders for years, to see them not really address this midfield and, like, say, like, hey... We're going to go out there. We're going to get two guys for this midfield. I think this summer could be that if they could clear up some of the, 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 the dead weight in their squad. But when you have a team like Inter, your rival, lurking over your shoulder, and they're making these really shrewd deals, and they're beating you to the punch for the guys that you want, it sends a, a, sends a glaring message that they need to maybe wake up here and they need to get these deals done. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Juventus try and kind of like respond to what Inter do on the market. But it's, it's no surprise that these two teams are going to probably be the most active. They're probably going to be the talk of Serie A in terms of the transfer you know, window. But um, yeah, I, I think Juventus have a lot to, to do and address this summer. They, do they have players, I think, you know, certainly for the future. So I'm not going to say their window to, to win the title against closing or to kind of keep this, this, you know, this domination of the league going because, you know, Delict, Demerol, they have players in certain areas that can kind of carry the torch after Bonucci, after Chiellini, so on and so forth. But they have to be on alert. They have to be cautious. And for the sake of the fans in general, because from everything I'm reading, Juventini, they're kind of on edge here. They're like, Paratici, you got to make some moves here whether it be a Pogba, whether it be that kid from Lyon. I, I can't pronounce his name. Um, he's, he's one of the one of the top players, too, in that squad. They got to do something, and they got to get a t- big-time player this summer. So I do anticipate they will, but we'll have to see how they make that happen in accommodating the the, uh, the big wages that are probably to come with that player um, with that. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're going to see guys like uh, Higuain move on, Bernadeschi, uh, Rugani, I think he still carries some weight with his name. I think Quadrado potentially um, as well 
who know I don't think they could dump a Ramsey or Rapio right away. I think it's gonna it's gonna take a lot in order to do something like that. Kadira, it's all these guys, Decidio. I mean, I see a lot of guys on this on this roster and team sheet that you just look at and you say, Man, I don't know moving forward if Juve should really hold on to them. They should probably cut this weight, do what they can. And just really quick, like I was saying off air um prior to the recording was that this is legit now. This is into Inter's a real threat. This is the first real threat in the transfer market inside Italy that Juve have had since they've taken over this reign of dominance. So, so for me, I, I think this is this is really telling. This is really um, going to be a lot of fun to see unfold the rest of the summer to see what moves they make and all that. But we're going to still stick to Italy um, and back to England a little bit as well. But. Um, our squad, Milan, Ishmael Benacer, it was revealed that he does have a 50 million euro release clause. Everyone at Milan, Milan fans, held their breath because they thought he was definitely going to be on the move. But the release clause is not until summer 2021. So it looks like he will be staying. The interest is coming from Manchester City and PSG. Apparently, Pep Guardiola is a big fan of the Algerian who won uh, African uh, player of the tournament in the AFCON Cup this past summer for Algeria. Look, I mean, fifty million would have been a great coup for Milan financially. You make a very nice profit of uh, thirty-four million euros after getting him from an Empoli side. Who would have thought, Matt, that you could actually get someone from a lower table league side and relegation side, and he could turn out to be good? It's, it's amazing how people don't understand that concept. They just assume everyone's bad on a bad team. It's just funny to me. But anyways. <laughs> He doesn't go to PSG either. They're not willing to even uh, trigger that release clause, even if it was this summer. And I've seen reports saying that Milan would be demanding at least of forty million as a, as a starting point for him. Couple of things to unwrap here: Is he that level yet to play on those teams? And is Milan even inclined to sell players like this at this point? I don't think they are. I don't think that it would be a good position. It would have to be in otherworldly offer. I'm not that they, they do well with 50 million euros, but it creates another hole because he's not their defensive midfielder of the future because they're moving him to Metzala next season, which is more of, you know, a more diverse midfield role uh, for those of you who don't speak Italian. So just unwind here. What did you think of the initial news? Did your heart stop? Uh, well, yeah, because he's a player, I even, you know, when he was linked to Milan uh, last summer off the AFCON and, and everyone was kind of like, you know, up, not up in arms, but they were kind of scratching their head. Like we're looking to, cause they got Rad Krudnic too, right? He was the other addition from Empoli and everyone was like, wait, we're appointing Gianpaolo as a manager. And the two, two of the first signings we're getting are from a team that got relegated. Uh, there's something wrong here, but I think anyone who watched um, Empoli's side um, and that midfield with that also had Hamad uh, Junior Traore, who's uh, at Sassuolo, and he's another young, fine player. You know, you would kind of see that, okay, Ismail Benesser, he's a good player. Yes, he's at a team that got relegated, but you can stick him on a team in the mid-table at least or in the top six, and he'll do a job for you, no problem. He's still very young. He, you know, to, uh, to your point, he won AFCON uh, player of the tournament. Algeria won the tournament. I know uh, Riyad Mahrez had a big impact on them winning that, of course, but Ismail Benacer was fantastic in that tournament if you did get a chance to watch it. He goes to Milan for 16 million euro, which was a great deal at that time. You know, it took a little little while for him to break into the squad. Of course, Gianpaolo started playing uh, like Lucas Biglia, and, you know, he really wasn't given, given Benacer the, the full reins for the midfield but once he earned his way into the starting role starting lineup 
it was clear that this, this guy was the head and shoulders Milan's uh, best midfielder of the season, right? You quick, he could progress the ball, good ball carrier, good defensively, um, good with his feet, that nice left foot, you know, could spray it anywhere you need it. So he was, uh, he's a player that I think, you know, in year one, everyone's looking at like, okay, we got to build our midfield around this guy. Now put, put the supporting players, you know, next to him to make him thrive, whether it be, um, you know, Bakayoko, whether it be, you know, Florentino Luis, who's also been, those are two of the names that have been linked to put alongside him to kind of give him that support because he is a player that, you know, yes, he does a lot of things in the passing game, in the tempo and the buildup to help uh, Milan's, you know, phase progress and carry out the way we wanted to, to play somewhat of an adequate style of football. But I think sometimes he gets into those situations where he gets too many red, too many yellow cards. He's forced to, you know, you'll have those, those fouls where, you know, if he did have coverage, he would, they would be avoidable. So I think if, if he can definitely grow to be a midfielder, I know that that was the first question you asked me, Rotino, is can he be a midfielder of that 40 million, 50 million caliber. And I think the answer is yes. I think it's still early. And I think we have to be careful with us trying to like push these players along and say, Hey, this guy's worth 70 million now, 60 million, whatever the number is. But I think in time, like, you know, year to year, you give him another year with another coach, possibly a Ralph Ranić or someone that has he more, more discipline. His, his right. yellow cards are just, that's, that's kind of the of only, that's really been the only, yep glaring thing that's like kind of needs to be addressed like if you wanted to nitpick it yeah you say fine but even some of those but that's out of that's out of position as well too i mean he's not playing the position that he is going to be playing moving forward so you know what i mean so like that's not even something that you're gonna have to worry about because if he's staying at defensive midfielder then you say okay now yeah he's an issue he, he can play that role for sure. I think he's done a pretty good job this season. But I think, you know, his skill set, the, the fact that he is really good going forward as well, does translate to a more, um, you know, outside midfielder role, and that's Salah that you, that you alluded to. So he, he is a player in time that could maybe, you know, creep up in value. Now, look, value is subjective, right? If a player, if a team's saying, hey, I'll pay 40 to 40 to 50 million, then maybe he's is worth that, right? Because a team of a city or a PSG or even Madrid, are willing to pay that, maybe he's worth it to them, right? So, so, so what someone's worth, what something is worth is all subjective. It's all to the person that's spending that money, right? So it's, it's quite clear that you know, Milan haven't had a midfielder of his ilk, his kind of makeup in quite some time to be like, yeah, this guy's young. He's energetic, enthusiastic. He's good on the ball. He's not a liability at all. Like he checks off all those boxes. So yeah, I, I, I mentioned, you know, would I want, would I be okay with selling this player for 40, 40 to 50 million? Probably not. I mean, it would be a great sum of money and not saying that, but at some point, you know, if you want to really carry this project forward, you have to have players to build around. Like, yeah, it's, it's great to develop a player and sell him for a profit, but you can't keep doing that every year. Like you need to build a foundation to convince other players to say, Hey, look what we're building here. Donnarumma, Romagnoli, Teo Hernandez, guys like Leao, you know, guys like Ismael Benacer. So when you kind of put all those pieces together, yes, it did, it did, it did scare me a little bit because when you're presented with such an enticing offer to join a team like City, who are, you know, among the favorites, you know, um, to win the Premier League, there are a team that, you know, many believe can still possibly challenge for a Champions League. PSG have won their league all these years. They are also a Champions League contender. Of course, we all know what Real Madrid can do. So yes, it, it was a little, little concerning, but the fact that I think that he has that, that clause that's only active in 2021, maybe Milan try and work something out during the season where they you know, renegotiate the term of his deal and his, his release clause is a little bit higher. I've seen that happen too. And my, and my guess is that that'll be something that they look to explore during the season because obviously Donnarumma and Romagnoli, their, their contracts take precedence, but 
Benacer is a player I think Milan, Milan uh, really do need to focus in on. Uh, make sure that they do get a coach that can really get the best out of him because I think we haven't seen um, all that we can see out of him and just help him grow to be this this really class midfielder that Milan have been starving for for years. Yeah, and I think it's important considering the whole project. It, it does seem like Ralph Ranick is coming. I mean, just all the reports signify that it's been going on for months now. So hopefully he gets to stay there. I think City and PSG will have their opportunity to turn elsewhere. Who knows what PSG end up doing? Do they still make the move for Pjanic potentially pony up a little bit if they try and get over the hump? Because again, these two teams, like you mentioned, they're in the best position they've ever been potentially to win the Champions League, right? I mean, they... Mm-hmm. They are in a good spot, this is for sure, and and considering health as well. I think Manchester City will probably they, – they can go in so many different directions. It's City at the end of the day, right? Like, uh, they'll find the money if they really want to. It, but I whether don't or not even think he – like, it's one of those things, too, where, like, does he walk into those squads and start? I don't think he starts. I don't think That's what I was trying to tell people. PSG, I don't, City? He doesn't start. Like, those no. teams just have money to blow, and they just spend it. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you need to, and a lot of these teams, of look, if you're going to win a Champions League, you have to have depth, right? You have to have like, that second unit in the event for injuries, in the event for just the, the, the workload like of the regular city this schedule. Year. Right. So there's, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying I disagree with it, but if you're a player like Ben Ancer and you're thinking, look, I could be at the focal point of a Milan project that, you know, we get the right players in here. I can grow. I think, you know, in time, he's a player that, you know, he'll have his time. He'll like, he'll have his time to say, hey, you know. It's only like, 22. Right, 22 years old, and you know, if he gives it a couple of years and he says, look, like, PSG, PSG want me, they're spending $60 million on me, like, I can join their project right now. I think there there's, comes a point in time where certain players have to say, hey, look, the money's great, I know I'll be there, I know I'm the type of player that can reach that level, that move will always be on the table, um, you know, down the line. Right now, I'm focused on Milan, I'm focused on making the most of my opportunity here, and I think that's kind of what I see from him. He seems like that player that's like, he went to Empoli, he wants to really grow and fine-tune his game. Um, in Italy further at a big club like Milan. And I think that's kind of one of those saving graces as a Milan fan is that, <laughs> you know, despite all the downfall, despite all the, the turmoil with his team, like players like that still really, really value the crest. They really do value the heavy shirt they're putting on. And more times than not, it's a good, it's, it's, it's better to have that than not have that, right? You know, your team like, you know, I don't know, a team like maybe Roma or Lazio, nothing against them, but, you know, their players are quick to jump ship. Like versus, hey, Milan are team. They're Milan. Like I'm playing for Milan. I'm playing one of the biggest clubs in world football. Yes, they're not maybe where they want to be, and that's kind of how all these players feel. And you see the quotes. Lucas Pacquetta. He could have left. He could have took the easy way out. He says, "I want to prove myself. Then I'm going to give myself the rest of the season and maybe see if I can really win over Milan fans. Who knows? Maybe he does it." We said the same thing about Bakayoko. This guy can't play here. He's not good quality. You know the first couple games against the Napoli when Bakayoko came in. And then he turned out to be the best midfielder for Milan that year. And now Milan fans are begging to get him back. So things can change in, in a matter of months. And I, that's what I'm really curious to see with some of these players is that everyone's so quick to jump for the big move, the big money. But I think at the end of the day, like short term, focus on where you're at, focus on your current situation, make the most of it. And if you do that and you apply yourself, those moves will always be there, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's any disputing that. Um, well, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, 12 games is a lot of time left. Um, we'll see the transpiring moves in general. I mean, we still don't even know what the transfer, you know, season will be like. We have no idea. Is it going to be Pets be, idea? Yeah. Is it going to be a few weeks? Um, we have no idea. Is it going to be lenient or not? I think there's just so many different avenues everything can go down. And, and, and technically, I think it's just going to be – 
at the very least a one-year extra grace period for almost any and every team that needs it because at the end of the day this was an unprecedented uh, pandemic um, that has happened in world football and to hit the transfer market and economically all the tv money involved and and everything in general with fans in the mm-hmm. stadium so we'll see how that goes down but football is back in the meantime and la liga will be the second uh, major league to be returning Sevilla will be kicking it off against Betis. Um, what do you think? I mean, Sevilla, the, the Champions League race for La Liga is great. And also it's going to go down on the wire between Madrid and Barcelona for the title. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the, some of the title races in Europe this year have been simply fantastic. I know everyone's, including us, have been talking about you know, what's going on in, in Serie A. But you know, between the Bundesliga, I, I know we, most people believe it's wrapped up that Bayern Munich has that, has that unlock. But a lot of these title races have been so tight. And I think La Liga is another one of them, right? You know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, a lot of teams are kind of in the thick of things. Um, Sevilla Batista is going to be a nice game to kind of kick things off. It's kind of like the, uh, the starter, if you will. It's kind of like, hey, let's, let's sit down. We got our bread. You know, we got our wine. We got our drinks. And then you kind of get to like the main courses where I know most people want to watch like Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, Atletico Madrid, you know, for the star power that we know they, they, they possess. But Sevilla Batista is... Um, it's definitely an interesting one. I'm going to be watching it, you know, for the focus on this, uh, the Sevilla aspect and see how Suso does. Of course, there's always that Milan element there where if Sevilla do secure a Champions, Champions League spot, excuse me, they have an option that they have to pick up on Suso, which, you know, most Milan fans, you know, some Milan fans are, pretty, yeah. are pretty divided on. Um, but nevertheless, Sevilla are a team that's um, always kind of in the, t- in the race for top four in the thick of things. But Betis have a really intriguing project too. They're a team that, um, you know, when we watched them in the Europa League a couple of years ago um, in Milan's um, Europa League group, they gave them a real run for the money. Had top players, Giovanni Lo Celso at the time. So they have players that, you know, maybe to the average fan or the casual fan, maybe are not quite, you know, um, aware of. But if they're a team that, you know, can play some really good football, they have some nice young talent there that, you know, at the very least, if, you know, on a Thursday, right, if you're not getting any, any other football matches, definitely tune into Sevilla, Batiste. But it's going to be great to just have football back from different leagues. Um, so we kind of get a little taste of seeing how, um, certain teams respond and get out of the gate after the restart. And, um, you know, this is definitely one of those ones that I'll be watching. Yeah. All, all these leagues will be definitely enjoyable to watch. Um, Milan prediction. What's Coppa Italia prediction? I think it's going to be Napoli who Juve in the final only because Napoli is doing well from the first leg. And then it doesn't really seem like Conte is entertaining uh, the chance to win Coppa Italia. He's just simply focused on the league at this point. There's a rumor that Inter want to just start all their teenagers and youngsters for this game. So I don't really see them edging in out there. And then, look, a motivated Juve and Cristiano Ronaldo in, in a game where it's 1-1, Milan missing all their top players. I think it's kind of a wrap there. But anything can happen in that. What, it, what do you see going down real quick? Well, look, I mean, Milan, you know, you mentioned it, right? They have several key players out. I think it's what Teo... Samu and Ibrahimovic, maybe, or maybe it's yes. Ben- yeah, Ibrahim, okay. those three. Yep. Okay, so uh, they're really limited. They were already kind of limited before those three, you know, in terms of their squad depth. Um, Ante Rebic is a good option up front. I think he can maybe cause some havoc for um, you know the, the Juventus defense. But Juventus have just that that quality on the bench to come off to really help them in these situations where even if Milan have their best version of their team, Juventus just have that quality um, to kind of you. Know, get over the hump. And now look, Milan have played Juventus tight for the most part in certain games and certain club, uh, cup competitions. Like it always seems to they, me. That they, like had they, a, they had a beat if it wasn't for that handball. 
but, 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 but they but they 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 won they won the Italian Super Cup. They've played them very tightly, you know, they, you know, several years ago. They play them tightly in some of these matches. I think the um this the the Stewart, the Italian Super Cup a couple of years ago, right? Or maybe it was maybe I'm missing something here. No, uh, there was the there was the one cup final where they got right. Donnarumma had a couple dropped. Uh, yeah, they got they got battered, but there was another game too where I think they lost like one zero whatever it was, and it was a very tight game. So the point I'm trying to make is that these cup games are very tricky because. Look, the motivation may not be there for a team. You mentioned it with Inter. Maybe they're just going to field the backup squad and say, hey, look, I really don't care about the Copa Italia. I need to have my best players and my full fitness available for the Serie A games where it means the most. Who knows? But I think in, the, in any case, we really just don't know what Milan team is going to come out of here. There seemed to be just a mixed bag um, even before the break. Um, I know they had a pretty decent spell before the break, but of course um, that, that lasting effect was the Genoa defeat um, in the, inside of empty San Siro with the famous photo of Gazidis just sitting there with like his hand <laughs> on his chin. So uh, I'm not too optimistic. I'm just hoping that you guys like Lucas Paqueta, um, you'll show up, play pretty well. I know that's been a really big talking point um, throughout this entire uh, build up to these games and really just the restart for Milan is how he will fare. He's obviously cost them quite a bit of money. There's speculation that he was on his way to a team like Fiorentina, someone like that, maybe Benfica um, in January, or maybe something like that in the summer can can come to fruition. Mm, PSG so with Leonardo as well. He's yeah, he's 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 got it. You know, his work cut out for him. He has some uh, some opportunity here to convince that you know he is worthy of the shirt. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I think in any case, you got to just take take everything with a grain of salt and kind of understand like it's kind of a weird time to be in football. Is just in a weird situation. So. You may see it just a really bad Milan, and I think you have to chalk it up to saying, "Hey, like, how can you really expect this team to come out and be like defensive, you know, defensively sound, like attacking at will?" Like, it's going to take some time for teams. We saw with the Bundesliga, so that's kind of what my expectations are. They're not very high, but I'm just happy to have Gaucho back. I know that's pretty kind of what the general vibe is um, around amongst you know football fans, and then of course as things kind of get up and running full speed with these leagues. Then you kind of start to hone in and say, "All right, now what do we look? What are we looking at with the title races and you know the races for top four? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited for that top four finish. Very excited for Manchester United uh, to see if they get chasing. They're really not far off from from uh, Chelsea in the fourth spot. Spurs as well with Mourinho over in like the Premier League. I get Harry Kane back, man. I mean this this changed a lot. Spurs were in a really bad spot right before the pandemic." Uh, hit them. So uh, I'm interested to see that Champions League race go down. There's a lot of other great things besides the title races in these leagues. So I'm so excited for football. But our own uh, returning guest that we've had on, Janusz Mikhailik, saying that the MLS will officially announce this coming Wednesday that they will return. Um, Are you excited for the MLS? Um, I am. You know, it's it's a league that, you know, there was a lot of things up in the air about it. I know, you know, our audience is generally more focused on the European game. So I can understand that maybe some people are saying, well, I'm really not kind of too, too focused on it. But I think if you're a fan of the, uh, of the American game, the American league that we have here, um, it's definitely going to be exciting. I think it's, you know, not the details are still kind of a little bit more rough. I don't know how people are. So maybe some people are a little mixed on the idea um, because I think, you know, that's kind of how, a lot of it's been met in the United States here with some of these leagues restarting because there's still something that's going on with the COVID pandemic. But at the same time, I'm I'm excited. You know, that I, I I follow LAFC quite a bit. Atlanta United. There's a lot of good talent at some of these clubs. So yeah, to have just again just to have soccer to give everyone that sort of collective 
feeling that collective joy when they watch their team play. I think it's something that as, as a football universe, as a football um, community, we can all kind of get behind. And if, you know, look, you may not like major league soccer. Some people may dislike it for whatever reason they have but at the end of the day if you're you know a fan of the game and you're able to watch at home and you're able to enjoy it with maybe your family or your your son your daughter your wife whatever you know you watch it with it's just going to bring joy to you and if that's what it does then i think it's it's i'm I'm totally fine with it i'm totally happy that other people are enjoying the game that we we all love yeah i'm i'm really excited uh just to have all these uh leagues back mls yeah to an extent to an extent i'm kind of excited to just see something getting going back here in america as well because we know baseball is really up in the air but we're getting nba back as well um but we do have one question before we wrap up here and it's from a former guest and goalkeeping connoisseur i guess you could say and roberto grosso uh, this is a this this is a very of course it's a goalkeeper question. <laughs> it's a very niche uh, goalkeeper love. question too, but that's it's that's so, what I come so to nice. expect from Roberto. But hey, that's what makes this podcast like. so great, and that's why we get nominations, right? So, Wilker <laughs> Farinez. Uh, Wilker Farinez, yeah. Farinez is slated to make his much anticipated uh, move to Europe. Thoughts? Uh, what his expectations uh, will be for him in joy, joining newly promoted Lens? So is the right move. So let me let me start by let me start by saying that um, first off, Roberto, shout out to him. He's uh, always given us questions for our episodes. He's been on I think once. Got to get him on again. So make sure you guys go check him out. Um, we'll, we'll maybe you know get, pay a little nod to his Twitter account. I think it's rgrosso eighty four if I'm correct. Um, but uh, and nevertheless, getting back to the question, look, I'm not going to claim to that to be the expert on Willard Fernandez. He is he is a young goalkeeper that I've heard many people talk about. Um, maybe a little bit undersized, but I think he's got quite a bit of ability that uh, I'm sure Roberto can probably give us a little more insight on his, the ins and outs of his game. I know the scouted football people, um, and specifically my good friend Stephen Ganavas, um, who raves about him. I mean, him kind of go back and forth on Twitter that he thinks that Willeker Farnes is the best like young goalkeeper in football ahead of Donnarumma, and I was kind of just like, you'll go back at him. Like, you must be ridiculous and out of your mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, goalkeeper, the goalkeeper situation, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Because I think it's it the the dynamics and the, what kind of plays into the transfer is a little bit different than like a young midfielder going to another team or going making that move into Europe, right? Like with goalkeepers, you're kind of like in an island on your own by yourself, and if you have a couple good years, you can really make that next leap. And we saw you know with even guys like um, Lafont, right? You know Lafont was a player who came to Fiorentina, and for whatever reason, he didn't quite you know do seem to kind of get that, that those good performances in and then he got shipped out and, and Dragovsky is now the, the first team, first choice keeper for Fiorentina so with these young goalkeepers it's it's kind of like a touch feel thing um, when you make that first trek into Europe it's um, an adjustment phase everything's an adjustment in football right everything's an adjustment in life you know it just changes something that kind of you have to kind of grow into and for a goalkeeper like him again I don't claim to know much about him so I'm not going to try to go too depth into too much depth with this but you know the biggest thing for goalkeepers, I think, is just having that comfort. Like, if you could get to a club where they are able to put you in an environment where you're able to have that comfort level, you're able to make that adjust adjustment culturally, which is also a very key thing, the language barrier as well, then I think ultimately it could help you just kind of have that more confidence and take the pitch with more, um, you know, uh, enthusiasm and a little bit more uh, comfort in knowing that, you know, you're in an environment that is well, uh, well intact for you to succeed. So that's kind of how I would see it, but I know it's not the, probably the best answer that, that I can give, but um, I did. Roberto, I appreciate the question. And um, I'm sure we'll in time, maybe get someone on to talk about Willeker Farnes, maybe get Grosso back on. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I didn't know much about him, but I do see that he's five foot nine, which is obviously not on the tall side. So short uh, shout out to the short key. Hell's in comparison to Donnarumma, who's six foot five. Uh, yeah, it's that's uh, he's a half a foot shorter than him. But shout out to the short guys uh, out there. Um, you know, I'm always there for him. I'm always rooting for him. Insigne, Messi, Maradona, and fairness. That's the list. Um, okay, but we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Plug in the FCAs one more time, Matt, and tell everyone how they can vote for us and help us out because voting ends on June 18th. Sure. So there's three ways for, for you guys to vote for us. I have them pinned on my Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. So um, you can vote via the website. Um, you just go to the FCAs uh, website and vote us as best new content creator. You can go on IG, tag us um, at state of play pod on the post. Again, it's in my pinned tweet. Or you could tweet at us. I am voting for um, the state of play pod in the FCAs for best new content creator. If you have any questions on how to do that, just feel free to DM me. But we do appreciate all those who have voted so far um, in any sort of forum that, that I have mentioned. And of course, make sure you guys are still subscribing to the pod, leaving those reviews, the uh, five-star ratings. That just helps us grow. It just helps us um, you know, take this project further and elevate to where we want to hopefully get it to, which is to be amongst the best football podcasts out there. And so we can just further enhance the uh, football experience for you guys. So thank you for all the support this past week. We got a lot of stuff uh, coming our uh, coming your way that uh, Pet, Martino, and I are very excited about. So just stay tuned and make sure you guys are following us on all platforms so you guys don't lose out. Yep. And you can follow me at Martino Puccio on Twitter as well. Tweet at me there if you guys want us to share some of your stuff. Uh, check it out. I'm always more than welcome to help out other uh, content people grow. I'm really excited for all the video stuff that will be coming out soon that Matt alluded to as well. YouTube channel. That's what I forgot to plug, Martina. <laughs> well, there you go. There, yeah, are you, we are, we are going to be bringing some great content to YouTube. Um, courtesy of of course i'll be probably having some stuff up there martina i know you're very good with and very savvy with uh your video editing and all that stuff so i'm sure you'll have up there but pet has a really exciting project that he can't wait to share with you guys and i'm looking forward to it as well so uh follow us on youtube i'll just i'll just share the links and stuff you guys can get that on twitter so yeah a little sloppy wrap up but you know listen we're uh Hey, late, on, yeah, late on a Sunday but, night here. But we're hey, a little tired, but we're making sure we get that content to you guys. It's, it's not sloppy once I get my hands on the editing part. So it'll, <laughs> it'll come out very smooth. But I'll, I promise you it wasn't that smooth uh, just, before, just before wrapping this up. But thank you guys so much for all the listens and everything. We got to mention the shout out for 30,000 downloads as well. So thank you so much. It, it, really, it really means a lot on how much work the three of us all put in all the time. Uh, and now listen to some Joaquin. <laughs>